Okay, guys, good afternoon. Uh, I know, number one, I know that you have your nephrology medicine Friday. Okay, I know that. I know this that you have uh, nephrology Friday, but try to pay attention to these lectures. I'm not going to go back in this because you have nephrology or whatever. And uh, after the, the lecture, I mean, the lab is open all the time for you guys. So after the lecture, you can go and practice. Tomorrow, we are going to have two groups. So the group that, that came to the lab first last week is going to be the second. Okay? Are we good? Okay. So um, let's start by these uh, peripheral nerve disorders. Okay? It's a lot of slides over there, but believe me, many of the slides, they have some, uh, some of the, you know, features and photographies and, and things for you to remember, just enlighten you with this, enlighten you with these pathologies and so. And then we're gonna go over today this, this uh, neuropathies polyneuropathies or uh, peripheral polyneuropathy or peripheral neuropathies or, uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a lot. I know it's a, it's a lot, but we're going to have a look of this group of them, okay? So, um, complex regional pain syndrome, the diabetic, alcoholic, and uremic neuropathies um, is a, it's a group of neuropathies that can happen, you know, in this kind of patients, patients that suffer from uh, metabolic diseases or, you know, organ diseases or uh, organ failure or, you know, malnutrition syndrome. That means deficiencies in the case of alcoholism. Uh, we're talking about timing, right? We're talking about, in some cases, B12. So, pedotoxin, you know, these uh, autonomic neuropathies that can be seen in uh, not only these diseases as diabetes and uh, and some other, you know, developing these uh, autonomies, but, you know, some other diseases that are not here, but just focus in these autonomies in diabetic patients, mainly, okay? So, uh, the mono, just the, the nerve entrapment, okay? Like the carpal tunnel, maybe ulnar tunnel, okay? This is more, I mean, uh, more for you to, to read and study by yourself. 
uh, radio entrapment as well. And all of these, you know, neuropathies that can, can happen because the nerve is damaged. We have as well, just a have a look to uh, what is a uh, restless leg syndrome, uh, Bell's palsy. And when we talk about Bell's palsy, think about the peripheral damage, okay? of the cranial nerve number seven, okay? Not the central damage of the cranial nerve number seven because this characteristic, we're gonna have a look in, uh, in CVA and so, and tumor and these kind of things. So Ramsey Hunt, okay? Herpes virus, um, herpes zoster virus infection with all this manifestation and damage of the cranial nerve number eight, okay? Together, cranial nerve number seven, of course, is gonna be uh, involved in this. Guillain-Barre, Guillain-Barre is, uh, is an ascending, paralyzing polyneuropathy that we're gonna see. And uh, for you to study the cranial nerve palsy. So, let's start with this. Uh, what is the uh, neuropathies that these diseases can affect, uh, for example, the cell body, or affect as well the action, or affect the myelin, okay? Or the, the motor plate at the end of the, of the neuron, at the end of the action when we contact a motor plate. Uh, whatever happens along this neuron, you know, can give the person uh, damage of the nerve. This kind of neuropathies happens in the peripheral nerves. When we talk about uh, what is happening in upper motor neurons and lower motor neurons, this is another thing we're going to talk about that, okay? But have this in mind because uh, along these neuropathies, we're gonna see how uh, one of the first symptoms we're gonna have when affect the motor neurons or affect the, the, the actions of the motor neurons or the myelin that cover these large, large fibers Okay, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, the first thing you're gonna see is weakness followed by atrophy. And of course, the, the stretch, the muscle stretch reflexes are going to be affected as well. Okay, so, um, Neuronopathies happen at the level of when we have uh, a damage of the axis of the soma of a neuron. And if you think about neuron, I think I have one of the, the slides with a neuron. Remember that in the soma, soma of the neuron is the neural, neuron body, okay? And in, from the neuron body, we have what? We have dendrites that make contact with some other neurons, and we have all of these, uh, you know, 
uh, synapses that can occur like uh, between a dendrite and an action or a dendrite and another uh, part, a different part during the, uh, this developing of sending signaling and so. Then um, just refreshing a little bit, neurons together, a group of neurons together in the peripheral nerve system. This is known as a ganglion. Okay, a ganglion is where we're gonna find neuron bodies, neuron bodies and dendrites, right? It's gray matter. So in the peripheral nervous system, this is known as a ganglion. In the central nervous system, this is known as a nucleus. Don't forget about that. Okay, so uh, these axons, the axons, they're gonna occur by myelin, myelin shift. The myelin shift uh, is gonna cover the nerves, the actions of these nerves that are going to transmit the impulse faster, okay? So along these uh, peripheral nerves, we're gonna find more or less myelin sheath covering the action, right? More or less. And of course, if we have a breakdown of the action, a damage of the action, this is known as axonopathy, okay? So we have the myelinating diseases that can produce, of course, it's gonna yield to a myelinopathy. For example, um, I don't know, autoimmune diseases that destroy the Schwann cells. Okay, Schwann cells that are the responsible to build up the myelin sheath, what for? For the peripheral nervous system. The myelinating diseases in the central nervous system are going to be related to the oligodendrocytes. Okay, so refreshing this a little bit. So, um, most peripheral nerves are mixed. If you look at the, at what is a peripheral nerve, or if you remember well, we know that we have 31 pair of the spinal nerves, right? And we have how many uh, cranial nerves? 12 pairs, right? So, uh, of course, these spinal nerves they are made up of, or they leave the spinal cord, okay? And they're gonna be separated into anterior and posterior rami, right? Anterior and posterior rami, the posterior rami, generally speaking, is taking care of the skin of the back of the body Okay, some intrinsic muscles of the back, intrinsic muscles of the neck, and intrinsic muscles of the back, while the anterior rami is collecting the sensory information and is taking care of the innervation, the motor innervation of the lateral anterior part of the body. With this in mind, 
we know that they are mixed. And don't forget that we have the white romaine and the gray romaine. Those are part of what? The autonomic nervous system, mainly one, thoraco lumbar. What autonomic nervous system? Sympathetic, right? So they are going to innervate the viscera. Are we good? And some of them that go away from the cervical part and they are in charge of innervating what? Remember? The pseudomotor in the face, the salivary glands, and as well we have the tarsal glands. Remember this part? Okay. So, um, there is more about this kind of, um, you know, um, neuropathies and so, but we're gonna focus in the one we had uh, for today, okay? So the motor axons, remember they are highly myelinated, they are large fibers, okay? They conduct the nerve impulse very, very fast, 50 meters per second, okay? Sensory fibers, they, they are three types, essentially. And they are involved in transporting what? Pain sensation, temperature, vibration, okay, all of these things. The delta and alpha, these sensory fibers, they're gonna, and they are considered the large one, they're gonna conduct proprioception, vibratory sensation to the brain. Uh, using, we know, the what? The posterior column, right? The posterior column. And the posterior column in the, in the, in the spinal cord is only ascending, okay? Have this in mind, it's only ascending. That means we are talking about the white matter, right? The posterior column is only ascending as the lateral and anterior, they are both ascending and descending, okay? We have different tracks, the motor and the sensory tracks, but the lateral, the, the, the lateral uh, columns, you know, are ascending and descending, the anterior as well, ascending and descending, that is, sensory and model, okay? So um, the one that they have smaller diameter, myelinated fibers, those the, the are the one, um, including the A, B, and C type, uh, they're going to transmit the, the pain, nociceptive stimulus, and nociceptive stimulus, they are separated in two. They are the fast stimulus, they are the slow stimulus, you know, painful stimulus, and they're going to be transmitted by these C uh, fibers, okay? When, when I say fibers, I'm talking about axons that can be myelinated axons or unmyelinated axons. 
autonomic nerves as well. They have its own characteristic, the preganglionic and the postganglionic. Some of them are myelinated, some others are unmyelinated. Okay? And they are short. If you want to characterize the autonomic fibers, respect to these large fibers and so on. Then uh, look at this. We have the posterior root and the anterior root. From there, we have the rami. This is the posterior rami. Rami, because there are many, right? And the anterior ramus here. And the anterior, remember, they is taking care of the anterolateral part of the body as the posterior is innervating sensory, collecting the sensory information, okay, from the back, the posterior part of the neck, a little bit lateral of the neck is a special. Intrinsic and motorly speaking, intrinsic muscles of the neck and the back is for the posterior rami. The anterior anterolateral part of the body, okay? And of course, the, the limbs, okay? So look at this one. Um, remember, in this section, we have, uh, we were talking before about the, the columns, right? Say, this is, all of this is white matter, white matter. Remember, the fasciculi, they go up or down in the white matter. And if you, if you look at this and think about uh, what is going to happen with this white matter, white matter, uh, the way um, we go up is diminishing, right? And gray matter, uh, the way we go down is enhancing. Why? Because we need to send nerves to what? To the limbs, right? So at the level of the cervical, we have a cervical enhancement. Why? Because we are sending this innervation to the upper limbs. And at the level of the lumbar spine, or lumbar part of the, of the spinal cord, we have a lumbar enhancing as well of the spinal cord because this is the area from where the spinal nerves are going to go and innervate the lower extremities. Make sense? Okay. Over here we have from the lateral, this is the intermedial. Posterior horns, we know, guys. Everybody knows. Uh, talking about the great matter, posterior horns related to what? Collecting and sending up sensory information, okay? Related to the, the great matter anterior horn, they are motor and the intermediate lateral horns, they are autonomic, okay? Autonomic. Look at this. All of this is motor, uh, motor and sensory on the uh, left-hand side over here, and this one is just talking about the the sympathetic, the preganglionic, preganglionic, sympathetic, and the postganglionic sympathetic. Okay, postganglionic that goes uh, to the pseudomotor fibers. Okay, 
uh, suede glands, arictopili in the skin, all of these, and the, the other, you can say, the postganglionic fibers, they are going to innervate the heart, okay? The secretory glands, the, the metabolic cells, immune cells, all of this, okay? So, uh, the problem with the neuropathies happen at the level of the peripheral part of these nerves. So, we have the large fiber uh, neuropathy. If we have a large fiber of neuropathy, we know that this patient is going to lose what? I mean, in the case of sensory, it's going to lose the possibility to transmit the proprioception, right? The vibration sense, the, the vibratory sensation. Okay, they cannot transmit this. And of course, this, this kind of, um, of, of patient that suffer from large fiber neuropathy, they're going to have a problem with the gait, a toxic gait, right? And they open the legs, they wide the, the stance in order to uh, avoid to the fall. They have, of course, loss of reflexes. They suffer from numbness from this uh, large fiber uh, neuropathy. And as well, they're going to suffer from weakness, motorly speaking, okay? And wasting of the muscles. Okay? These muscles, they are going to involve, oh, to atrophy. So, small fiber, we're going to have, uh, let's talk about the large fiber neuropathy, for example. Let's think about the entrapment of radial nerve. What do you think is going to happen to... Because radial nerve, we know that is made up of C5, C6, C7, CA, and D1. I mean, radial nerve is thick, very thick. What do you see? What do you think is going to happen to the bicipital reflex? It's going to be affected, right? Why is that? Because we have we have a damage of the radial nerve. Make sense? Yes. And in less brain, maybe the brachioradialis. Okay? In less the brachioradialis. So we have uh, or we can see how a neuropathy can affect the result of these reflexes. As well, the small fiber neuropathy, this person cannot determine the pain, cannot transport properly the painful sensation, okay? They suffer or they have this sensation of tingling. All of these are known as dysesthesias, okay? These, uh, this uh, burning sensation and hyperesthesia in the place, allodynia. Allodynia, what is this? 
Allodynia is unjustified pain. Okay? Unjustified pain. You are you're laying down in your bed and you cover your body with the bed clothing and this is giving you pain. Okay? Allodynia. Hyperesthesia. Any leader movement of the air in your face is going to be able to trigger a painful thing that is known as a neuralgia of the trigeminal nerve, for example. Okay? So autonomic functions are going to be affected as well. And we know autonomic functions as the heart rate, the blood pressure, the temperature are going to be uh, damaged or affected, as well as the, the sweating, right? The sweating. So late hyposthesia and hypoalgesia. Hyposthesia, you don't feel a thing. Hypoalgesia. You don't feel a pain normally. You cannot discriminate when you're doing a pain and prick. You know, this is soft or this is sharp. You cannot determine uh, this. Uh. And of course, when you do or perform an electrophysiologic test, this one is going to be silent because the nerve impulse is not transmitted, okay? So, electrophysiologic studies are nerve conduction speed and electromyography, okay? So, when, when you perform a nerve Conduction speed, this is going to be damp, okay? It's not transmitting properly. Why is that? Because maybe we have or we lost the myelin sheet, okay? This is one of the things. And you cannot register an electro electrical sign or electrical signal when you're studying that. How you perform the nerve conduction speed? You need to insert needles in the area, okay, and stimulate the nerve. And of course, you will uh, just stimulate a nerve impulse. Okay, you are, you are producing a nerve impulse. And this nerve needs to pass one electrical impulse. If it's not passing, here you go, okay? Uh, these electro, electrophysiological studies are very, very important to determine a diagnosis, okay? So uh, mononeuropathy is always happening in one, uh, you know, one nerve or one area, mononeuropathy, for example, carpal tunnel, mononeuropathy, or um, 
let's say, uh, ulnar tunnel, radial tunnel, okay? Entrapment of this nerve is a mechanical thing, in, in, you know? But this can be seen as well, and we know, in patients that uh, have bad management of fluids, for example, renal failure patient, here you go, uh, pregnant women, okay? Diabetes, diabetes uh, mellitus patient, diabetic patient as well. Or overuse, tennis player, golfers, uh, they don't want to accept the, the typers, but you know, typing is giving you as well entrapment of, of nerves. And mononeuropathy multiplex, this is seen in autoimmune diseases, essentially an infectious, as well, infectious neuropathy, like leprosy. There is more, polyanteritis nodosa, and uh, shock strauss. Uh, for example, we have Chopin as well. Disease can give you this uh, mononeuropathy multiplex. That means it's happening at the same time, but separated areas. Okay, it's not a stock and globbing, like in the case of metabolic neuropathies. Okay? We have a polyneuropathy that essentially is the one that happened when a person is suffering from a systemic disease or let's say a metabolic disease like diabetes, like uremia, or is a toxic one. Not, not only toxic because arsenic or, or lead, no, not only that, but medications as well. For example, amiodarone. Amiodarone is one of those that can produce a polyneuropathy, right? Who else? You know. Uh, lithium mainly, uh, you know, probably with the liver. Mm. Antidepressant. Oh, you know this. Come on, guys. Isoniazid, for example. What happened? Huh? You, you forgot this already? Nitrofurantine, huh? for example. Yes. Okay, this kind of medication. What do you do when you're giving a patient iso isoniazide? Huh? Pyridoxine. Here you go. Huh. Excess of pyridoxine can give you a polyneuropathy as well. Okay, excess of pyridoxine can give you, remember, not too much, not too little. Excess of pyridoxine, okay, can give you a polyneuropathy as well. So what you do, stop it. No? Stop it. So um, here we have the, 
the neuron, remember the nucleus with the nisi body. Do you remember nisi body? What are those? The reticulum endoplasmic. Remember? Mm -hmm. From there, we, the neurons produce what? New, yeah? Neurotransmitter, what else? Hormones, guys. Huh? Hormones? Are we good? Okay. So, we have the dendrites over here, the action with the, the Schwann cells producing this myelin sheath. Okay, in the case of, remember, these uh, peripheral nerves and the motor end plate. Um, the large fiber summarizing could be the myelinating diseases, right? Axonal, sensory only, motor only, and sensory motor. In the case of diabetic patient, this polyneuropathy starts how? Pins and needles, stuck in a globe, right? But it's going to evolve to sensory motor. And mainly in diabetic patient, the reflex you're gonna see almost abolished is one, the anchor reflex. Okay, sometimes you can see these uh, um, preserving one extremity and the other is gonna be very poor, for example, okay? Mononeuropathies, we have a bunch of them over here, and polyneuropathies in this side, okay? Uh, we're gonna talk about this meragia parasthetica, okay? That is a compression at the level of the inguinal ligament. Interesting. We're gonna talk about this and how to differentiate this from the radiculopathies from the spinal cord, uh, from the Count, right? Radial nerve compression. What do you see when we have a radial nerve compression? And let me tell you, there is many places for that, okay? We have at the level of the plexus in the neck, right? Or in the, at the level of the elbow, at the level of the wrist, right? Along the, the radial nerve, you know, path in this area, and Saturday night syndrome, for example, or honeymoon syndrome is the same. We're gonna talk about a little bit about this. Okay, common peroneal nerve compression in this area, posterior nerve compression as well with the tarsal tunnel. All of these are mononeuropathies. And these mononeuropathies can turn in mononeuropathies multiplex, okay? That can happen in these autoimmune diseases uh, essentially. And we can add more, okay? We can add leprosy that is an infectious one Okay, Borrelia, Lyme disease, Borreliosis, 
we can have this as well. The land-dependent polyneuropathy. This is chronic uh, uh, axonal polyneuropathy. This is related to diabetes toxin. Okay, the glycated radicals that damage the nerves, right? In the case of proximal predominant weakness, and Guillain-Barre, for example, is ascending paralysis, right? The, the real name is uh, ascending paralysis or Guillain-Barre Landry stroke. It's Guillain-Barre with ascending paralysis, Landry ascending paralysis, I mean, for many, many years was the name, okay? Porphyria and all of these, uh, these chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy with I don't know cause, okay? With I don't know cause. There is more. There is a genetic diseases that produce neuropathies. Which one child called Mary too, for example? We're gonna talk about these in some other lecture. Okay? Uh, porphyria, amyloidosis. Oh, in the case, guys, of um, as well, together with the with the, uh, these diseases, uh, infectious, uh, together with infectious and together, I don't know if, it's okay, it's okay. Let's, let's continue like this. Okay, I have many things that I want to, to tell you, but uh, we need to go there. So, metabolic, remember, all of these causes, Alcoholism, Wilson's. What happened with Wilson's? Huh? We have a problem with the copper. Okay? This apolipoprotein cannot bind anymore. And what happened to the copper? It's going to go to the blood. And it's going to go on deposit everywhere. Like in the cornea. Okay, in the cornea, like in the kidneys, like in the brain, okay? Mechanic, mechanical da damage, radiculoneuropathy, radiculopathy, in the case of the neck, okay? Think about this, rheumatoid arthritis, for example, thoracic inlet syndrome, all of these things that compress the brachial plexus or another radiculopathy in the neck that is so important. Huh? Bulging this, bulging um, uh, nucleus pulposus, right? Hmm? Herniation of this. Okay. Um, Okay, mononeuropathy, myeloma, lymphoma, all of them are neoplasm-related, uh, immune-mediated immune uh, inflammatory Guillain-Barre, we have more, and of course, uh, critical illness neuropathy, what is this? 
is a person that is having a terminal illness or a multi-organ failure, okay? Intubated and ventilated for a long term with a generalized polyneuropathy, okay? If you don't use it, you lose it, right? Here you go. In the case of Sjogren, you know Sjogren? Uh, the dry mouth and all of these, Venus, uh, William. Venus, is Venus is the, the sister? Serena or Venus? Which one? Venus. Venus. Okay, sensory, uh, sensory ganglionopathy. What is that? What the, the, the damage is? Sensory ganglionopathy. What is that? Huh? It's peripheral. Okay? Peripheral. It's not a nucleus. It's not a basal nuclei disease. Okay? Okay? Idiopathic, amyotrophic, lateral sclerosis. Lugari disease. Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, and uh, this is the disease of a motor neuron because affect the upper and lower motor neurons. Okay, affect both. Here we have more. The complex region of pain syndrome, trigeminal neuralgia. We're going to study this in headaches because it's one of the differential diagnoses, okay? Osarpetic neuralgia, carpal tunnel, sciatica, pulse palsy, all of this. Uh, so we have here all of these uh, causes of common neuropathies, right? What is the presentation of peripheral neuropathies or common neuropathies, okay? Symmetrical distal sensory loads, stocking and globe distribution. In the case of peripheral neuropathies, okay, diabetes, postural hypotension. In some other cases, we can see as well talking about dysautonomia, the the postural tachycardia as well. Okay gastroparesis. In the case of the, the motor thing, weakness, and of course, poor balance with the white base gait, anataxia, all of these. Uh, symptoms, temporary numbness, paresthesia, learn the terminology, right? Paresthesia, what is this? Tingling, pickering, Okay, we have uh, uh, this sensation of, you know, very sensitive to touch, uh, dysesthesia, pain, painful sensation, okay? Burning pain, hot pockets, stabbing, electric shock, like in the case of trigeminal neuralgia, um, temporal arteritis, stabbing, 
okay? And those kind of pains are, you know, these kind of pains that are um, impossibility or giving you this uh, momentaneous thing of uh, alteration in your, your daily life, you know? You're feeling very bad all the time with this kind of pain. So muscle atrophy and, of course, in some cases, paralysis. Look at this. Uh, let's compare this to hand. In the case of this one, we have a normal muscle, all of these uh, muscles of the hand. And look at this. We have an atrophy over here. Okay? The pathogenesis, we have the small myelinated fibers, C fibers, the myelinated A delta fibers, and the myelinated A uh, beta fibers. This is delta, A delta, and this one is A beta, okay? So we have, for example, uh, damage leading to neuronal injury in the peripheral nervous system, right? All of these glycated products accumulating in the case of diabetic patient or some other autoimmune complex depositing in the area and so. And then all of this is going to uh, increase the inflammatory response, okay? Then uh, alter, there is an alteration of sodium-potassium um, pump, and then we're going to have uh, a lot of problem in the normal transmission of an impulse. Okay, so some of these disturbances, they're going to alter the resting membrane potential and then depolarize and trigger the respective sensation that they are for, okay? The same pain stimulus may trigger more nociceptive depolarization. So, the pain is going to increase and lead to hyperalgesia. Okay, we talked about this already. In the case of small or myelinated, we have these two groups, right? We have the nociceptive fiber that they, they, they collect an, an information of a dull aching. And this is, is what is, is uh, mainly uh, collecting information from where? Knowing, uh, the going pain, the visceral, right? Remember this? The burning pain mainly from the dermatomes, the skin, mm -hmm, burning sensation. And in this case, we have the small myelinated C fibers, the myelinated A delta as well, and the higher resting membrane potential is going to be translated into uh, almost, I mean, it's, it's, it's more than this, ectopic depolarization, and then this depolarization that are ectopic and they are attached, 
they're going to be interpreted as a shooting pain, okay, or a lancinating pain. If we have time, we can go over the the pathway of pain. I don't I don't think we have time, but anyways. And here we have the myelinated A beta fibers. This one transport the pressure and light touch. And these are gonna turn as well into painful transportants. Allodynia came out from this. Okay? So everything is painful. Everything is a problem. Everything is uh, uh, not only in the in the skin or everything you do is gonna be very painful. This is the pathogenesis of neuropathic pain. In some cases, it's untreatable, right? Because this person is gonna have like a cycle of non-treatable pain, even with the specialist, right? So, how are you gonna treat this? We know that we're gonna determine the diagnosis by history, physical exam, neurophysiological studies, okay, and imaging as well, okay, imaging as well. Long, uh, what are we gonna do? We're gonna treat them symptomatic. Anti-epileptics, you know this already. We're gonna use the gabapentin, we're gonna use the pregabalin. Pregabalin is also known as a neurontin, right? Yeah. Neurontin. Okay? Antidepressant like Symbolton, that is duloxetin. It's Lyrica. It's Lyrica, I'm sorry. It's Lyrica. Ah, Lyrica, sorry. Oh my God. No. No, duloxetin is Symbolton. No, 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 pregabalin. is Lyrica. And who's neuropentin? Gabapentin. Gabapentin is neuropentin, and uh, pregabalin is Lyrica, and duloxetin is Symbolta. Uh, this is good for you in your practice. I'm gonna ask you just the generics, okay? okay. Tricyclic antidepressants as the, you know, the case of amitriptyline, this is so important. Add amitriptyline to this neuropathic pain. Or nortriptyline as well. Okay? And for these patients, they, they can use compound creams with capsaicin. Uh, some people are allergic. Uh, side effects of this is, for example, redness in the area, you know, or uh, blister in the area with the use of capsaicin uh, cream. In the case of any weakness present, or as we discussed, you know, remember these people, they, they suffer as well with imbalance with walking and so, and if they have a specific, in the case of charcoal, uh, Mary tooth, for example, you can use an orthostatic, orthotic, sorry, orthotic uh, uh, brace that they can they can use and walk a little bit better. So physical therapy 
for the weakness, occupational therapy as well, orthotics, assisted devices, because they have the tendency to fall very frequently. frequently. And for imbalance and, uh, with walking as well, physical therapy and gait training, all of these. Long-term complications, hand weakness and clumsiness, they, they are going, these kind of things are going to affect them in their daily living thing, you know. Don't say marry if they are old or young. Remember that a diabetic person, when, I mean, 25 years with diabetes is, is a lot, they're gonna develop these complications for sure. Okay, this together with the kidney failure, together with the uh, coronaryopathies, okay, together with the um, cerebrovascular accidents, many other things, okay? So gain stability, frequent falls, difficulties with the ADLs in the case of loss of, of sensations and total numbness, you know, this uh, diabetic patient, charcoal food, charcoal food is one. Neuron diabetic ulcers, right? As well in the leprosy patient, they, they lost the sensation in the anterior part of the tibia and they develop ulcers because they heat all the time in the area and they don't feel anything, okay? They have numbness in the area. So, of course, together we need to treat the cause, right? We need to treat the cause. Some autoimmune diseases, they, uh, they are going to be treated depending on the degree with uh, just uh, removing these antibodies, okay? Okay. So, um, symptoms of autonomic neuropathies, we know, affect everything, right? Affect the, the heartbeat, affect the way the patient is eating, they suffer from impaired digestion, and on top of this, they are old, and when you use Reglan for this gastroparesis, so it's a big complication because we know that Reglan is what? Anti? Cholinergic medication, right? So, you know, uh, this hydrosis and this hydrosis lead to a heat intolerance, right? Loss of bladder control as well. Uh, if they have retention, it's gonna lead to infection. If they have incontinence, developing of ulcers and infections as well. And of course, uh, orthostatic hypotension because they don't have any control to on, on, on the peripheral vascular resistance, right? It's a lot. And of course, this can lead to an organ failure. So we have the fiber type here, the sensory and the autonomic. And in neurology, what negative phenomena and positive phenomena are? Negative phenomena is when you don't, you don't 
feel a thing or what you feel is not useful. Okay? Like paresthesias, uh, you don't walk properly, you have a problem with walking. Um, it's not, it, listen, listen, it's not that it's positive or negative in the qualification of the thing, it's respect to if it's a positive elevated function or a negative as in diminished uh, function. Understand? Okay? This is the way in neurology you can see things. Sensory, for example, burning, tingling, this is firing. Something is firing. But numbness, dysesthesia, that you don't determine what is that. Twitching cramps, what is this? Something is going on, right? Something is going on. Hyperhidrosis is too much sweat, okay? Impotence, incontinence, you cannot hold it. It's a negative phenomenon. It's a loss of function. And uh, the green one is excessive firing. Okay, and they have to do with this uh, pathophysiology of the neuropathy, neuropathic pain. The diagnosis, again, history, physical exam, electrodiagnostic test like electromyography, nerve conduction, speed, laboratory testing, because you need to know what is happening here. By the way, in infectious causes, you can add as well HIV AIDS, Lyme disease, and diphtheria. Why is that? I know diphtheria disappears or almost disappears, but the diphtheria toxin can yield to uh, neuropathy as well. Okay? Nerve biopsy, why we need a nerve biopsy? To determine if we have what? A destruction of the axon in the case of the short fibers or small fibers or destruction of the myelin sheath. Make sense? Skin biopsy to determine if we have any other disease going on and to study the end nerve terminals. Hmm? Neurography. Neurography as well, condition of the nerve, like in the case of complex regional pain syndrome. Okay. Okay, so everything is said about polyneuropathy, mononeuropathy, multiplex, the fibers, the involvement of the fibers, the causes of this developing, of, of these uh, neuropathies and so, and complex regional pain syndrome. This is also known as a reflex sympathetic dystrophy. What is happening? Um, it's not a dermatomal pain, okay? It's not a dermatomal pain. Happens in the extremity, upper or lower limbs. The pain is prolonged, is disproportionate related to the lesion that you had before in that area, 
is very disproportionate. For example, a person that is having a carpal tunnel and after all of this treatment with uh, physiotherapy or uh, with the, the splint, you know, the splinting in neutral position and the ultrasound, bless you, all of these uh, cannot solve undergo surgery, right? To release this carpal uh, uh, tunnel thing. So this person is gonna complain after this, this uh, uh, surgery of a big pain in the area that never goes away, never goes away, okay? And always you're gonna see these affecting the distal part of a limb. Okay, so um, of course you're going to see uh, swelling in the area. As I told you, following a damage of the, a soft tissue damage, a surgery, a fracture, okay. And it's going to, I mean, the pain is, is uh, excruciating for them. This is gonna lead to, I'm not using the hand, I'm not using the feet, the foot, right? I'm not using this part. So you're gonna see accumulation of fluid, swelling, okay? We have a sympathetic stimulation in the area of course, reduce range of motion of this uh, extremity, and the skin changes start. And all of this is gonna yield to a bone demineralization. So, in the case of autonomic, we can see cyanotic, mottling in the area, wholeness of the extremity, Remember, sympathetic stimulation, what is gonna happen to the blood vessel? Constriction, right? So, coldness in the extremity, uh, sweating. Sometimes this is accompanied with urologic, you know, urologic symptoms like incontinence or urinary retention and we don't have any other systemic symptoms, okay? So, um, look at this. This is a normal one, and this is an abnormal one. The skin here is almost cyanotic and mottled, and this is what, uh, what is a baseball mitt, right? The hand looks like a baseball mitt, okay? So, um, one, in order to say my patient is having a complex regional pain syndrome, we need to at least report one symptom in three of these four, okay? Sensory, hyperalgesia or allodynia. I cannot touch my foot, I cannot touch my hand, okay? Vasomotor, changes in the skin, 
changes in temperature, bless you, asymmetric color when you compare the two extremities. Yes. Okay, let me finish the complex regional syndrome. Okay? Hyperhidrosis or changes, more changes and traffic changes. Decreased range of motion, motor dysfunction of the extremity, traffic changes in the air, that is loss of the hair in the area. The nails are gonna turn brittle. And this is the pathogenesis, okay? What is gonna happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay? In the acute phase, we're going to have diminishing of perfusion of the cortex, diminishing of cortical gray matter volume of limbic and sensory motor area. And this is in the acute phase. And neurogenic inflammation, of course, we, we're going to have all of these cytokine and the cascade of uh, inflammatory, you know, uh, elements and sympathetic dysregulation that is going to yield to neurogenic inflammation and bone and more inflammation and more vasoconstriction that is going to yield to more neurogenic pain and neurogenic inflammation and going on and going on and going on. Okay, chronic phase, increased perfusion to motor cortex, diminished gray matter volume in cortical bay region. I'm talking about the, the one, the homunculus. Remember? Yes. If it's in the hand or if it's in the leg, right? The hand of the leg. So, Hyperalgesia, allodynia, you have all of these that are good. Sensory, all of these pseudomotor, vasomotor, and motor antrophic. Remember, we need to have one of these four. Okay, one of these four. Risk factor immobilization, casting, splinting, okay? After a surgery, after a fracture, after a surgery of the, of the soft tissues as well. Okay. Immobilization, and uh, they say a psychological imbalance in this person is gonna yield to this kind of things. If the diagnosis is clinical, you can see the changes in the limbs of a patient, the pain, we know that is what? Subjective, right? And uh, we can do uh, evolve potentials for the investigate the pain anywhere else. Anyways, we, we're gonna see cyanosis with cold skin. We can do the radionuclide uptake on bone cystography. Why is that? Because we're gonna have what? Bone demineralization, okay? You can block a sympathetic nerve in the area Okay, a sympathetic nerve in the area. You can go to a ganglia, a sympathetic ganglia, and blood with alcohol, and you're gonna see how the, the sweat is gonna diminish, all of this, right? 
because you diminish at this point the sympathetic action. This, this is used as well to do a diagnosis, to arrive into a diagnosis. Intravenous uh, regional anesthetic blocks. What is this? This is a kind of anesthesia that is known as a beer block anesthesia that you inject regional anesthetics in the area, okay? Doing in the plexus, in the brachial plexus, for example. Uh, stage one, pain. We need to know the cause, right? Uh, burning, throbbing, throbbing, when we talk about throbbing pain, we know that we have a blood vessel involved. Yes or no? Throbbing means blood vessel involvement. Okay? Aching and hyperesthesia on top of edema. Remember, doesn't follow a dermatome. Doesn't follow a dermatome. And you see vasomotor disturbances as well. Okay? The color of the skin is model, or maybe cyanotic at this point. Sometimes it's pale. The temperature is low, it's cold. Okay? An X-ray can show patchy demineralization of the bones in the area. Because, guys, if you don't have enough blood flow to this bone, what is going to happen? Can you transport calcium and deposit the calcium over there? No. You have vasoconstriction, permanent one. So bone demineralization happens. Stage two, and why they are in color? Because in the next table, in the next chart, you're going to have the treatment for stage one, stage two, and stage three. Okay? So stage two, soft tissue, edema, changes in the skin. The skin is going to change. Not only the skin, but the articular surface is going to change as well. And the muscle is going to be atrophic. The skin is going to turn into this browny color. And this a stage two may last for three to six months. The stage three is more severe limitation of movement, contraction of the contracture of the digits in the case of the hand or of the foot, contraction of the digits. The skin has these waxing trophic changes. The nails are brittle and rich. And in the case of x-ray, you're going to see a severe, severe demineralization. This is a neurography in some, someone that had an ulnar, you know, surgery, ulnar relocation, transposition surgery. I had a, it, in, me, in this elbow, they did on me a uh, transposition of the median, and I, I'm good, <laughs> you know? Transposition is you cut the nerve, you do a neurolysis, cut the nerve over here, 
avoid the fibrosis area, the fibrotic area, and suture terminal terminal with the other extreme of the nerve, avoiding, you know, the fibrosis in the area. So in this image, we, we see the scar tissue and fibrosis. This is, uh, all of this is fibrosis, and this is the nerve, okay? The nerve over here. And in this one, we can see uh, the, the ulnar nerve in comparison with the median nerve is kind of uh, increase in the, in the image, right? So this is developed in a person that developed um, complex regional syndrome. Stage one, you know, your gabapentin, your tricyclics antidepressant, and alendronate. Why? Biphosphonate. Because you want to fight this bone demineralization. But biphosphonate has a lot of side effects. We know that. Stage two, gabapentin, amitriptyline, you continue. But in this case, you're going to add infiltration with methylprednisolone or prednisone. You're going to continue with the bisphosphonate. And of course, you're going to send the patient for physical and occupational therapy. Don't ask me why we're waiting too much to send them there. Is, I mean, is how is in the book. Stage three, gabapentin, amitriptyline, and pain pain management specialist. Okay? Complication, psychological disturbances, and, uh, you know, osteoporosis, uh, breakdown of the skin, skin infections, and you go on your 10 minutes. <laughs> May I stop the... Then we can pause. Huh? Yeah, we can pause it. Pause. Okay. Pause. Oh, <laughs> that is trapped over there, right? Uh, what is the area affected? All of these, three and a half. The first, the second, the third, and half of the fourth digits, 
Okay? So, paresthesia, tingling in the area, in the area of nerve distribution, the patient is waking up in the middle of the night. Ay, que dolor! <laughs> Pulling the hand, like shaking the hand in order to, you know, relieve that pain that is not going to be relieved. So, all of this is going to, um, I mean, it's, it's a patient that come to see you and it's, I, I have a pain in my, my hand. Um, I cannot sleep very well. And the patient can come and tell you on top of this problem in my hand, I, I'm forgetting things in the office. I'm not useful as before. And my, my family is telling me that my hair is changing. My nails are different. And my voice is <laughs> changing a little bit. And I notice how the tail of my uh, eyebrows are not there. Then you're going to put together the things and say, oh, look at this. It's a patient that come to see me because it's a tonal proper syndrome. But are you going to just doing a nerve conduction speed? Are you going to check only uh, the muscle uh, functioning by electromyography? Or are you going to order a TSH, T3, T4? You see? So pay attention because these are the cases. And the patient just come to see you because my hands, and when you start ta asking the review system, you're going to find out that your patient is having a hypothyroidism. Make sense, guys? Yes. Here you go. Okay, so sometimes it's a congenital carpal tunnel. Sometimes it's a tumor. It's a, it's a, something is happening in this area. Or overuse. Overuse. Multifactorial. Accumulation of fluid. Inflammation of the, of the median nerve for some cause uh, could be. We need to determine at what level the median, the median nerve is trapped. That's why it's so important that the, the nerve conduction uh, speed study. Electrophysiologic studies are very important. On top of this, the physical exam, of course. Okay? All of this is very important in, in a patient. Any disease, huh? like a rheumatoid arthritis, like uh, diabetes mellitus, on a splinting for a long time after a fracture of the wrist, for example, inflammation in the area. In female, it's more common than in male. Maybe we are the one uh, doing the, uh, not here, because here you have a washing machine and here you have uh, I don't know what, but anyways, you're doing things at home, right? More.
any tumor in the area, okay? Pregnancy, um, stenosis of the carpal tunnel, okay? People that use mobility aids, <coughs> these, uh, you know, um, what is that? Walker, crutches, crutches. Uh -huh, crutches or any other thing that they they need to, you know, use the wrist a lot. Typing, they don't admit this, but anyways, it's one of the things. Hypothyroidism, acromegaly, repetitive bending, twisting, vibration of the hand of wrist. The electric hammer, people that works in uh, construction, more than construction, destruction. Yeah, demolition. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, if you smoke, double the risk for a smoker. Double the risk for a smoker for everything. For everything. Decrease physical activity, you don't move your hand, accumulation of fluid in the flexor retinaculum. Okay? Sports, tennis, for example. Uh, the symptoms, gradual onset, weakness, numbness in the, in the hand, waking up. Uh, waking you up at, uh, at night, you know. Uh, when you shake the, the hands, the pain is going to be relieved a little bit. Decrease grip strength. Okay, remember you are having a neuropathy at this point, right? A nerve that is innervating all of these digits is not working <coughs> properly. What is going to happen? The thena atrophy. Okay? First, the first symptom of a motor damage, the first symptom of a motor damage is weakness. That is going to yield to misuse of the muscle, right? And yield to atrophy. If you don't use it, you lose it. Hmm? And the abductor's pollicis brevis is the one that will trap the most. That's why we're going to see this thinner hypotrophy or, or thinner uh, atrophy. Okay? See, if, if it's the older nerve, remember, the hypothenar area is the one that is hypotrophic. Okay? The older and the radial nerve they go together to innervate a big muscle in the forearm and they share the longus carpi ulnaris and the longus carpi radialis. They, they, they divided, okay? Physical exam, we know that, guys. Okay, we're going to examine the area for tenderness, swelling, warm discoloration. Um, we're going to see, uh, uh, we're going to check for any other uh, systemic diseases, any other pathologies. Okay, 
we're going to treat this possible pathology in the case of hypothyroidism, in the case of pregnancy, this is going to continue until, you know, the delivery. And then uh, this is the pathophysiology, repetitive stress injury in susceptible people or, or a bad fluid management or what else? a tumor or stenosis in the flexor retinaculum, right? Yield to inflammation that is going to produce edema. And we're going to see a lot of fluid that compresses the structure. And of course, the nerve is going to suffer from an injury. We cannot, uh, we cannot send, we, we're going to have a, a Vessel compression, we have nerve ischemia. We're going to see how the vasa nervorum, because we have a lot of fluid that are compressing the area. Vasa nervorum are not feeding this nerve very well anymore. And we have, a, you know, ischemia in the, in the nerve, and this is no good, okay? weakness and atrophy in severe cases. And the diagnosis, we know. The tenol, the phalen, and the Dorkins. What Dorkins is? Remember how the funnels, the, um, the phalen, sorry, the phalen stance is compressing the flexor retinaculum. The, the Dorkin is compressing you by yourself, the area of the median nerve, of the flexor retinaculum, okay, for 30 seconds, okay? So, um, what are you gonna, uh, what is the, the symptoms you're gonna elicit with this? Tingling, pain in the area. Three and a, I mean, the, the one, two, three and a half digits of the hand, okay? So what we're gonna do, nerve conduction study, x-ray if you're suspicious that this person is having a tumor or something in the, in the, in the wrist. Some people, they suggest MRI of the wrist. Mm. Can, I, can I actually see a tumor? Yeah, you can see, I mean, you study x-ray, right? If you have a mass in an area, it's gonna absorb, and it's gonna be a kind of whitish area. If you have fluids, how are you gonna see this in, uh, in uh, x-rays? Whitish, okay? So, uh, we're gonna see the focal decrease of conduction velocity in the median nerve, prolongation of the medial distal motor latency, this is gonna remain possible decrease in the amplitude of the median sensory and motor nerve, both branches. All of these nerves, they have a sensory cutaneous branch, okay, and a motor branch. Don't forget this part, okay? Electromyography, if necessary, together with the nerve uh, conduction speed. 
differential diagnosis. Okay, start by the neck, the plexus. Okay, the neck, the plexus. Uh, any problem in the at the level of C6, for example. Okay. And if we have a problem on the compression of C6, we can see the scapula and the shoulder muscles are going to suffer as well, right? C6, C4, C6, I mean, the case of brachial plexus, C5, C6 in the area of the shoulder, okay? And the, the rami, the, I mean, the nerves that are rising from the roots, the nerves that are rising from the trunks, the only place in the brachial plexus from where we don't have a rising nerves innervating the area is from the divisions, okay? On the, the terminal branches, the terminal branches. Let me tell you something, guys. This is pants, okay? They ask you about where is the entrapment, depending on what the person was doing. Okay, we're gonna do some questions about this, okay? Ulnar neuropathy, why? Because remember the fromance? Mm -hmm. And you have kind of, you know, problem in the thumb as well, and in the thinner area, okay? Uh, polyneuropathy, in the case of diabetes patient, uremic patient, alcoholic patient, okay? Intoxicated patient with arsenic, for example. Brachial plexopathies, we talked about these. And early diagnosis is very good. And you need to educate your patient. Educate your patient to use an splinting in neutral position. You need to show how to use the splinting, okay? Treat the systemic causes, like diabetes. In the case of diabetes mellitus, guys, the main goal is what? The same goal for every diabetic patient, okay? Control the metabolic syndrome, okay? Lower the A1C, okay? Use this uh, insulin uh, to reduce this glucose um, hyperglycemia, okay? Treat the hypothyroid patient. Remove a tumor, if any, in the, in the area of the uh, carpet tunnel under the flexor retinaculum, okay? Corticosteroids injection to diminish the inflammation in the area. If it's pregnancy, come on, deliver. <laughs> but splinting, okay? In neutral position, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, okay? Stretching and strengthening exercises. And surgery to release, that is over here, see? To release the flexor retinaculum, release the nerve. Open the flexor retinaculum 
and release the medial nerve, okay? The um, post-herpetic neuralgia, I mean, this is a current suffering person from herpes zoster in the area, right? So uh, after they totally disappear, these lesions, uh, they continue with pain. This is a pulsarpetic neuralgia. It's known as a pulsarpetic neuralgia by herpes zoster, right? So continue for three months, and uh, normally they are uh, older patients, 60 to 70 years old, or any immune suppressed patient, you know, patients that are taking immunosuppressor because a transplant organ, transplanted organ, or patients that suffer from any other, you know, uh, immune immune uh, uh, disease like uh, immune system disease like uh, HIV. Okay, so chronic use of steroids, chemotherapy malignancies, everything that depress the immune system. Are we good? Yeah. So, the pain is going to be sharp, neuropathic pain, sharp and jabbing, and it's burning sensation in the area. It's deep and aching, but not throbbing pain, because it's not, has not a vascular involvement, right? So, um, kind of hyperesthesia, when they touch the area, this is gonna yield to more pain. Uh, in some cases, it's itching, or the area is numb, okay? It has everything. In many cases, the, the treatment is, is gonna give the patient a complete relief, uh, but you know, afterward, you would need to treat them or give them some, you know, uh, these analgesics to relieve the pain. I'm writing down in this slide some things that I'm not agree with. That is the use of fentanyl and tramadol because, you know, you guys try to avoid the use of opioids as much as you can, mainly in senior citizens, because they stop the releasing of what? Acetylcholine. Okay, yielding to one Problem with the movement in this senior citizen, right? And many other things. So uh, the lidocaine skin patches, please, they are not gonna be used in the face as well as the fentanyl patches, they are gonna be used uh, in some other area, and never on broken skin. Never use a patch on broken skin, doesn't matter what patch. Lidocaine or fentanyl or nitroglycerin, no. No patch on the skin. How are you gonna treat this? I mean, when it's uh, active, you're gonna use antiviral medication like uh, valacyclovir, francyclovir. Acyclovir is kind of old, and you need to take a lot of pills, uh, the, you know, a lot of them. They have uh, side effects like uh, 
uh, you know, stomach upset, upset in stomach, and of course headaches, diarrhea, vomiting, all of these. Antidepressant, for all of this neuropathic pain, the antidepressants are gonna be prescribed in smaller doses than the one we use to treat depressed patient, okay? Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, like acetalopram, citalopram, all these can be used as well. Amitriptyline, okay? Mainly at night before go to bed, okay? Dr. Yes. Are these TCAs and SSRIs preferred for the elderly since we should avoid them? Um, you can use NSAIDs as well, guys. Okay. Like uh, ibuprofen um, and uh, 650 acetaminophen uh, as well. But normally you need to prepare a protocol for the pain of your patient. Remember, you have the medication, you need to evaluate your patient. The questions are, oh, which of these medications is going to be useful treating this neuropathic pain in diabetic patients? And you're going to have a list. Okay? Venlafaxine, bupropion, you can add bupropion as well. Okay? All of this anticonvulsant has been used as well for treating the pulsepatic uh, pain. You, you didn't have this in form, the pulsepatic pain. Oh, yes. Okay. Beautiful. So remember Lamotrigine? Steven Johnson. Okay? Lamotrigine. Um, you have. Uh, you can use gabapentin, pregabalin, all of these things, put it together, carbamazepine as well, okay? And transcutaneous electric stimulation is gonna be so good. Okay, release local endorphins, dynorphins, so you have the opportunity to treat the pain with this electric, electrical nerve stimulation. Oh, look at this, 35-year-old male, with a history of pain for the last 18 months over the right buttock and radiating down the posterior aspect of the thigh and leg. A radiographic examination reveals a herniated disc between L5 and S1 vertebral levels. Which of the following nerves is most likely affected by this herniated disc? S1. Okay? S1. Okay, it's gonna be the, the, the nerve affected by this herniation. Radiculopathies, radiculopathies can happen along the, the spine, right? Along the arising of the spinal nerves. The root of these nerves that can be trapped by a degeneration of the nucleus pulposus that bulge mainly posterolateral. Okay, you can have posterior bulging, but the most common is the bulging is, in the, in, in the case of uh, this uh, herniated disc, is the nucleus pulposus bulging posterolateral, okay? 
at the level of the cervical, uh, the pain can arise from the very neck, right? With this sensation of ants crawling under the skin or paresthesias, a scapular pain that increases with movement. Remember Professor Pamona the other day? She was, she was, I mean, she was talking about this, okay? Motor symptoms, loss of reflex based upon the nerve root that is involved. For example, if we have a bulging nucleus pulposus uh, between C5 and C6, that is the most common area for this, what is the reflex that is going to be damaged? The bicipital reflex. Okay? Here you go. Lumbosacral radiculopathy happens the majority of the time after heavy lifting without knowing how to do that, right? People normally grab things in this way. Oh my God, forget about that. Okay, so uh, lumbosacral. Let me tell you something else. The radiculopathies, they are more common with the bulging nucleus pulposus, bulging disc, okay, more common from 30 to 40, 50 year old. Why is that? Because the nucleus pulposus is well hydrated, okay, and has the opportunity to squeeze through the annulus fibrosus and go out and compress what? The nerve root. Make sense? In older patients, what happens is the nucleus pulposus is dehydrated. And what happens most commonly is the descent of the vertebral body one on each other, producing what? Compression of the nerve roots. Not because a herniated disc, but because the degeneration of the intervertebral disc. Understand? Okay, so what are the, the sensory symptoms? Lower back, pain in the lower back, pain in the hip, pain in the buttocks, with some or less radiation, we're gonna go there, increases with Valsalva. Too much time sitting is gonna give you, when you sneeze, when you go to defecate, it's gonna give you, uh, you know, a pain as well. Herniated nucleus pulposus happens generally unilateral. Thanks God. Okay, because there is not too much to go both ways. Generally, but I'm not telling you that it's not gonna happen. Okay. So if this happens, you're gonna have bilateral symptoms. Okay. Um, so we have the phenomena of spondylolisthesis and spondylolysis as well that is going to give the patient this, you know, bilateral symptoms. We're going to go motor weakness, okay, loss of reflexes, loss of anal reflex depending where is 
the, the bulge disc. For example, uh, weakened ankle stretch um, that we say S1, because it's mainly S1, but it's S1, S2, right? S1, S2. So S1, S2 nerve compression is going to give you, or you're going to see this uh, Achilles tendon reflex diminishing this patient, okay? So what do you do? X-rays. Oh, of course, the history and the facts, okay? What happened? Okay, so x-ray, CT, MRI, to locate where the problem is. Electromyography, and says the treatment, anti-inflammatory, non-steroid, non-steroid, anti-inflammatories, bed rest, uh, traction, uh, if it's necessary, surgery, physical therapy, educate your patient, and let's go on a spondylolysis and spondylolysis. Spondylolysis is a congenital defect or stress fracture that is an acquired one, mainly in what type of patient? Older patient, stress fracture, okay? Of the lamina, okay? We don't have a displacement of this one. You see, it's like a stress fracture or a congenital defect, a weakened, and you see, looks like a Scottish Terrier with the collar, right? Uh-huh. Most common where? L5S1. And it's gonna yield to what? Bilateral compression of the nerve roots with bilateral what? Symptoms, okay? So spondylolisthesis is the fracture of the lamina with luxation. It's gonna move, it's gonna misalign. This, this is a, a fracture that luxate. And you're gonna see how the L5 is gonna displace, okay? Yes, a lot. Look at this. This is a radiographic event for this. No me diga que no te lo dije. Okay? <laughs> so this is the displaced thing, spondylolisthesis. You can see spondylolysis as well. Um, in which patient? Rheumatoid arthritis patient and some other autoimmune disease, like in the case of arthritic, psoriatic arthritis. Okay? okay? So, radiculopathy, sign and symptoms, guys, sensory and motor. You have low back pain, Andre? Huh? Low back pain, you I have? have? Huh? I have ankylosing spondylitis. Oh, yeah. so you have sacroiliac joint pain? Yeah, I have sacroiliitis. Yeah, of course. So, um, remember, it's a radiculopathy, guys. Radiculopathy, what is this? Compression of the nerve roots. Okay? So, the tendon reflexes are gonna, are gonna be uh, affected. 
the neuropathic pain, often intense. Some people, they, they have a big pain, 10 over 10. Uh, last seg, uh, the, the leg raise, the straight leg raise is one of the tests. We're going to learn how to do it next week. Okay? You, you, uh, we're going to learn how to do this. Some cases, muscle weakness, flexic paralysis, if we have a damage of the lower motor neuron in that area. Okay? Fasciculation, uh, uncommon. What fasciculation is? It's an oscillatory movement. Uh, when we, we see a patient with lower motor neuron affection, it's one of the symptoms you can see in lower motor neuron. Fasciculation, you can see it. It's a contraction of these muscles, but doesn't yield to a very useful movement. And these fasciculations can be accompanied by fibrillations. And fibrillations are only determined by electromyography. You don't see with the naked eye. Okay, this is a, it's totally different. Okay, so, meragia parasthetica. We need to have this in mind because we need to differentiate what is a radiculopathy that happens because you have a, a herniated disc or because you have a what? A trapped nerve. This is a neuropathy. The lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, this one, is gonna get trapped under the inguinal ligament. In what type of patient we see this more? Obese patient? In patient that, that love these very, very tight jeans? Yeah, they call this, uh, yeah, the tight jeans pain. This is meralgia parasthetica. And femoral, lateral femoral cutaneous nerve arises from L2 of uh, L3. Supplies the sensation of the upper aspect of the thigh. Okay? Sciatica, pain along the sciatic nerve. Sciatic nerve that is going to separate in two. Okay, the tibial and the peroneal or fibular nerve. And these can be or can uh, give you pain along the way. Could be located, localized at the level of the buttocks or radiate down to the different areas depending what type of compression you see. It's usually unilateral, usually unilateral, this is the, the thickest nerve in the body, um, okay? From L4 to S3, okay? Lumbosacral plexus. And it's gonna separate in common peroneal nerve or common fibular nerve, it's the same thing. I know uh, Nasha doesn't like two names in anatomy. <laughs> Antibial. And from there, we're going to have the innervation of the gluteus minimus, maximus, all of this area, and so forth, okay? Uh, CT, MRI, we need to determine where is the compression. 
maybe it's a, it's a herniated disc, it's the majority of the cases of a tumor, or you can name, for example, um, a metastatic um, osteolysis from uh, prosthetic cancer, okay? So, all of these uh, degenerative this disease, pathogenesis and complication, this herniation, I'm going to let this to you for you to read and study. Let me tell you something, guys. Certain cases, if you have a terrible compression, okay, S2, S3, S4, that yield to a, a, a very, very acute, you know, um, impossibility to, to void, you need to do surgery immediately because there is not another way. It's the only, the only thing you can do in order to relieve the patient and save the nerve. It's the only way. Sometimes we need to go over this, okay? So, here's the thing. At the level of L4, L5, where the pain is gonna go? Over the sacroiliac joint, the lateral part of the hip, the lateral thigh, and the middle, the, the lateral part of the leg. Numbness, lateral leg, and the first three toes. The greater toe, the second, and the third. Okay? The first, second, and third digits. The dorsiflexion of the great toe and foot is very difficulty walking on heels and foot drop because the peroneal nerve result damage, okay? And reflexes uncommon in knee and ankle jerks, uh, ankle reflexes, but internal hamstring reflex is gonna be diminished or absent. And we have L1, S1 to L5, S1 to S1, L5 to S1, we have over sacroiliac joint, the hip, posterior lateral thigh, and the leg to heel. And the back of the calf, lateral heel and foot to toe, all of this is gonna be numb. The plantar flexion and, and is gonna be affected, and the atrophy, we're gonna see gastrocnemius and soleus muscle, atrophic because the compression. And the ankle, the Achilles reflex is gonna be diminished or absent, depending the degree of the root compression. Okay? Here we have a herniation, L4, L5, and neurogenic claudication. We're gonna stop in here, continue Thursday. Thank you very much to permitting me continue until 15 minutes after three. You are sunshine.